The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, the Germeister herself, Tammy the Sasquatch Underwood. Say raw, Tam. You know, I would have said Gur, but then you said that. <laughs> Hi, that, everybody. It, was that the wrong tone for... Uh, yes. Oh, okay. Well, I'm still learning how to speak Sasquatchanese. Sasquatchanese. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> so, everybody out there, brace yourself for this name because it's like the just pronouncing the name alone is a whole entire episode. It's yes. long. Jesus it is Christ. very long, but then he is from Venezuela, so that kind of should give it away. Yeah, his name. Fifty damn names. Jesus yeah, his Christ. name was at, is actually Jose Dorancel Vargas Gomez, but due to a typographical error in the media, he has been known as Doran Hell. It's like that one. Yeah, I do, man. I'm gonna change my name to Doran Hell. You are Dorian Hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm already in hell. (laughs) Anyways, he was a killer who was obsessed with his social taboos. Um, Throughout history, there have been many serious killers that have made a noticeable impact on the world. In fact, it actually seems like the majority of the most infamous cases have come from here in the United States. A look back through time shows that the serial killer phenomenon was at its peak during the two decades of the 70s and the 80s. You know, now I'm pretty sure we have them, but they're mostly, we, the more focus is on like the mass murders and the mass shootings. Well, it's way easier to get away with murder. Uh, like, I, I'm sorry, it was, it was way easier to get away with, you know, being a serial killer back in the 70s and 80s. Because now with. Right, without the DNA. Well, not just that, but there's cameras literally everybody, everywhere. everywhere. Everybody's got a fucking camera on their front porch so people don't steal their packages. Almost every business has a camera inside and outside of their uh, of their stores and their offices to prevent theft. So, Well, and let's not talk about all the people walking around the streets that have their cameras going. Right, you know, so let's say that just for argument's sake that you take somebody into a back alley because you're a serial killer and you murder your victim right there. Mm-hmm. Doesn't matter how, you know, they're, they're going to be able to say, okay, well, yeah, the, we found the body here and we saw this person coming out at about the time that, you know, that this person was abducted right. and this is where they walked and they'll track you. Oh, yeah. Because there's so many fucking cameras. They'll just go camera by camera by camera by camera. And pretty soon, they've got a picture of you sitting on your couch eating Doritos, (laughs) fuck-ass naked. With the the Cheetos with the finger, the orange fingers. Yeah, you you know, you got got all stained fingers and you're watching, like, you know, fucking televangelists and everything. And saying, that's right, I did it for Jesus because I'm a butterfly dragon fruit moth or whatever the hell weird shit. Because we've been looking at some weird ones lately, man. We have. He was a bad. He was a butterfly for millennia. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Really? I liked your little description on Spotify. Is he a man or a butterfly? <laughs> Let him tell you. <laughs> he's like a transformer, man. He doesn't know if he's man, butterfly. Hang on. I got to take my medication. I forgot to this morning. If she's not medicated, we all die. It's just an amazing phenomenon. No, this one I'll be all over the place. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's my focus one. 
Oh. So that being said, other countries have not been immune to the serial killer epidemic. In fact, some of the most vicious and prolific serial killers hail from Latin American countries. I believe it, man. Yeah. As it turns out, some of these very cases have worked their way into lore as warning stories told to children about the dangers of society. Now, there was the case of Pedro Lopez. We haven't done him yet, but I, I wanted to research him. Um, he, A.K.A. the Monster of the Andes. And he was from Colombia. And I have a friend, just a little side note, is um, I have some friends. Um, the wife is from uh, Guadalajara. And the husband is from Colombia, and he's talked about how they would get, as children, they would be warned about the monster of the Andes growing up. And I was like, that's for real? And he was like, yeah, totally. And I'm like, oh, wow. So then there's this case of Jose Dorancel Vargas Gomez. A tale so bizarre that once you hear it, you still might not believe it, or you'll have nightmares. One of the two. I'm already having nightmares about it. Is about this one or other things? <laughs> the answer is yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, to say that Jose came from humble beginnings is practically an understatement. He was born on May 14, 1957 in Venezuela. And his birth name is Jose Dorangel Vargas Gomez. However, like I said, due to the typographical error, he he's actually been known around the country as Dorangel. Um, the family he grew up in only had limited resources. In fact, most of the resources available to them were agricultural, like uh, produce and stuff. You know what I mean? Right, right. But that's very atypical for down in South and right. Central America. I mean, I because a lot of people sometimes think agriculture as far as like uh, livestock too, but most of theirs was produce. You know, and it's really weird. I'm going to go off topic a little bit, but um, I love cooking shows. And last time I was up in, uh, I think I was up in Canada, um, when I saw the place up there, uh, sitting back in, and me and my ex-wife were watching a cooking show about, uh, I think they were outside of Venezuela in a small little village, but uh, bottom line is, like, their cooking was so good, like, some of the major chefs throughout, like, uh, all the way to Mexico City asked them to ask these couple of ladies to come to their restaurants and cook oh really and train them and yeah and train their people how they do wow. i mean and I, everything was au natural like oh yeah they they grew their own stuff they uh the the men went out and they they got the meats uh you know like hunted them right they uh, hunted and harvested everything everything yeah wow and we're talking like this is a very primitive like caveman type kitchen shit going on it's like not like they have like running water and gas and stuff like that right so i mean the stuff that they were creating i gotta admit looks delicious <laughs> i wanted to take a chopper down there <laughs> Let, let's run a chopper and <laughs> like sit back and just enjoy their food yeah that's how good well, it looks see i've been to korea twice and um even though we were in seoul for one of the times we were there for the majority of the trip when we got to the little village where my stepdad grew up, you know, with there's no indoor plumbing, everything's cooked on hot stones in a separate room, you know, the floors are heated with hot stones underneath, that kind of thing. Delicious food. Like, where they dry the persimmons and all the vegetables and stuff on their rooftops, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it was just yeah. just amazing. And even the uh, even these master chefs throughout 
South Central America and up all the way up to like Mexico, Mexico City, we're saying what these women create is better than any of us oh, wow. could ever imagine yeah. creating. Yeah, because I mean, my stepdad kind of narrowed it down and I'm pretty sure it's like this in other countries too is that when you get into the big cities and restaurants and stuff even though they have good cooks and good food it's all been westernized oh no that's very you know, true to like make it more appealing to the tourists and uh, well one of the chefs that owned a chain of restaurants offered him like a, a, a ton of money to relocate and just cook just for him and, and they said no and she said you know because you know, she said no I, I just want to sit back and cook for my family and, and we wow. enjoy what we do Wow, that's pretty cool, though. Yeah, so I thought that was, so that's just my little side note. No, no, I mean, I, I, I agree with you that some of these little villages have the best food ever. Oh, hell yeah, man. But, you know, crime and everything like that, not so much in these small little, like, it looked like a pretty peaceful village that they were from. But uh, oh, when yeah. you get into, like, uh, Mexico City or, you know. Oh, hell yeah. Anywhere in Colombia, like Bogota or whatever, I'm, you're you looking know, at a, lot, a high crime rate. And I Jalisco mean. is like. Oh, yeah, Jalisco is known as the freaking murder capital of the world. Yeah, you know, there's a lot of chances that, especially as a big white guy, I could die. Yeah, or a woman, yeah. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> oh, snap, <laughs> Dragon, you did not. <laughs> so, Doran Hell only managed to make it through the sixth grade in school. And the only reason why he didn't continue his education was because at that age, even he was in and out of prison multiple times. Mainly because he was so hungry, he would steal chickens and cattle so we would have more than vegetables to eat. In this vicious circle of life, the habitual criminal wound up as a homeless man on the streets. Now, while Thuringha was living on the streets, he drew the attention of everyone in the homeless camps. Even though they understood that sometimes you have to commit a crime to survive, there was something else off about the new man who had set up camp. They noticed that he rarely had a fire going at mealtime because he preferred to eat his meat raw. Man, rather that's how than you get parasites, man. Yeah, which some meat is okay raw. Like you can eat beef and stuff raw. I suppose, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, beef tartare? I, I, I totally understand why why he's doing it. Hunger goes a long oh, way. Oh, it does. It does. That's why, have you ever noticed, like, during meetings and shit like that, I tend to feed people? Oh, yeah. You, if you, and I, and I did that when, I, when I've been training people as well. If you feed somebody who's hungry, they pay attention, and you get a lot more out of them. Oh, yeah, you're always feeding us. Oh, hell yeah, man. I'm, yeah. But I'm very food-centric. So You are, kind of, yeah. So, other than his strange eating habits, the other homeless people in the camp didn't really pay that much attention to him. In fact, they all said that he was always very kind to everyone, and he never seemed to get agitated over things that, like, other camper, homeless campers did. You know, because they're territorial. So, sometime in 1995, the authorities received a bizarre report, to say the least. Apparently, a homeless man who lived in one of the homeless camps in the city, came into the local police station. His name was Antonio Guerrero. And at first, the officers couldn't understand what he was saying because he was so worked up. Finally, they were able to calm him, him down enough to find out that he was so freaked out about. According to Antonio, there was a homeless man in the area who had eaten another person. Now, upon hearing what Antonio had to say, the officers thought he was just another rambling, quote, nutcase. What's wrong with that, man? I've eaten plenty of ladies. Um, 
In fact, one <laughs> officer started, stated that the guy had to be either high on drugs or drunk off his keister. They didn't believe that his story was true, so they didn't do anything about anything but laugh. Despite the ridicule, Antonio kept insisting that he was telling them the truth. He said that there was a homeless man living in the area under a bridge close to where Antonio had set up camp for the night. And according to him, he saw this other man kill his partner, like the camping partner, before dismembering him and eating the flesh. Since Antonio was so adamant about his report, law enforcement officials decided they best go check it out. They went out to the homeless camp under the bridge to see the area for themselves. When they arrived, they said they saw something that didn't just shock them. It left them with a sense of disgust that they will never forget. As they approached the campsite of the individual in question, a nice, friendly, jovial man came out with a smile on his face to greet them. Right away, they noticed that he had bloodstains all over the clothes he was wearing. And as they scanned the area, they noticed there there were severed feet and hands scattered about. Yeah, you're, you're actually going to like, he's kind of funny. but I'll get I'm already liking the hands and feet. There's I'll so get, many jokes, you know, can somebody give me a hand <laughs> with <right>. this? <laughs> can I give you a hand? <laughs> I'm feeling loose, foot loose. <laughs> No, he actually has said some funny things, and I'll get to a little later on, but yeah. Almost as soon as he was arrested, he was thrust into the limelight. The local and international press ate up his story, pun intended. Now, it didn't take long before he was immortalized with a media moniker that would last forever. In Venezuela, he became known as El Comagente, which according to Collins Dictionary, it directly translates to... The glutton. Once Thorin Hell's case hit the newswires in the United States, he earned yet another moniker. The press here called him the Hannibal Lecter of the Andes. See, everybody wants to pick on Hannibal the Cannibal. I man. know. You know what? Just because he likes to eat the guy's liver with some fava beans. Right, right. Doesn't yeah, I got, mean I got, anything. I'll be right back. Oh, okay. Where are you going? You gonna answer a call? So, according to the police reports. Doran Hell had been living under the bridge for some time. He had another homeless man camping with him named Cruz Moreno. And for some reason, one day he decided that Cruz would make for a healthy meal. So he ate him. Um, when Doran Hell was down at the station, the officers who brought him in were having difficulty associating the man in front of them with his barbaric actions. Um, he remained extremely calm the entire time. In fact, at one point, he even talked to the officials about the cannibalistic recipes he thought were better in comparison to others. I recommend that you serve a Jose with a light Chianti and uh, a little bit of uh, bean sprouts. It goes very, very well yes. with that. And it's some very rice. tasty. Oh, rice is excellent with it, but, you know, occasionally. I like to have myself a little pasta. I go into town, I panhandle a little money, get some pasta. Mm. The red sauce is just terrific. <laughs> Yuck. Anyways, he was ordered to undergo psychiatric evaluations. And the doctors who performed the examinations determined that he suffered from a form of schizophrenia. Rather than send him to prison, the judge decided that he would be best served if he were admitted to a mental health facility. Which, kudos. 
at that yeah. point, yeah, right? Yeah, 100%, yeah. So he was admitted to the Parabeca Psychiatric Rehabilitation Institute located in Tachira, Venezuela. Um, for some <laughs> unknown reason, he only remained at the facility for two years. After that, the doctors chose to release him for good behavior. Although I'm sure they had good intentions for setting him free, something went wrong. His release terms did not include any sort of aftercare or accountability programming. See, that's the main problem right there, man. Yes. I mean, Jesus and I'm sure Christ. that they regretted this decision later. Well, it goes with any kind of psychiatric um, issue. Yes. You know, whether it be this dude here who's you know schizophrenic, or we were talking about um, when I got clean, my drug use. Right. You need some aftercare. You know, no matter how minute it might seem, but you need some. Like, I had doctors, mm-hmm. and I went to therapy. Yes. And uh, I, I adhered to my own drug treatment program. Right. Um, being supervised by my doctors and things like that to make sure that I not only was clean, but stayed clean. And, you know, didn't do something stupid like, oh, I'm going to have one more last roll of it because it can't hurt. And then, you know, overdose myself Boom. or some stupid shit like that. So many people have done that. Yeah, yeah. It, it happens too many times. With, with this guy here, especially with being schizophrenic, he's going to need ongoing care mm-hmm. and a lot of medication. I mean, shit, right. help the and, dude out. I and mean, plus, and it's a known fact that schizophrenics don't like taking medication because they think that people are poisoning them. Well, plus on top of that, the dude's eating other people because he's hungry. Yeah. I'm not condoning what he did, but no. I understand it, man. The dude's, that's why he was stealing chickens and cats. Yeah. Fucking hungry. Yeah. Feed your people. Exactly. If you feed your people, you'll take care of most of that shit. I think it was, I mean, within the recent years, I think it was Venezuela where they were having a famine and the prime minister or president or something was having a news conference and bet down and ate something as he's talking about the shortage of food (laughs) in the country. What? My son showed me the video and I'm like, what the fuck? That's just awesome. There's yeah. a shortage of food. Hold on. Let me eat this sandwich over yeah, here. Yeah, let me eat this donut. <laughs> Jeez, what, what an asshole, man. Mm-hmm. Fuck. I couldn't believe it. So for some unknown reason, though. Oh, I already said that. Never mind. So when he was released, he moved into a like a house that he constructed himself at. It was They said it was an old abandoned farm, but it was it was close to this uh, this bridge where he was arrested the first time. Um, in San Cristobal. Once he was settled in, he seemed to embrace living the lifestyle of a full-fledged cannibal. Although he managed to keep that part of his life hidden from his neighbors, as they always considered him to be kind, considerate, and a calm man, he spent his days puttering around his property doing odd renovations here and there. However, in the late afternoon, early evenings, he would take to roaming the city, Always carrying a pipe of some sort with him. And then I go, let me clarify. I'm talking about a metal pipe, not a smoking pipe. <laughs> you know, because I knew your pipe? jokes would come. Not a crack pipe, huh? Yeah, not a crack pipe. Okay. Making sure. Yeah. Asking for a friend. <laughs> I know. He later told the authorities that he used the pipe to bludgeon his victims to death. Once they were no longer alive, he took them home like a hunter would take home his prey. When he went out hunting for victims, this is the part you're going to love. He selected individuals that would satisfy his delicately specific palate. Now, his taste preference was for young, physically fit men between the age of 30 and 40. 
The more physically fit they were, he said, the better they tasted. That kind of makes sense. Okay. He absolutely would not eat women or children because he did not like their flavor. Oh, and he also wouldn't eat a person, his words, not mine, that was heavy set because according to him, they were too high in cholesterol. Hey, it makes sense, man. Yeah. Watch his cholesterol. He's yeah. getting some exercise. And he has a very specific palate. It sounds sick, but seriously, some of us have a specific palate. Like, for example, like we, we were talking about wines. <laughs> <laughs> Jose, is it Jose Gallo? Uh, I can't remember. Julio. Julio Gallo. That that's it. it. I don't drink crap like jug wine from Julio Gallo or box wine or shit like that because I have a very refined palate. The only jug wine you drink is from the hills of Georgia. (laughs) No, okay, now that's a little bit different because that's some good stuff going on. Nothing's forced (laughs) to mature before it's time. Right. But, yeah, I'm not going to say, ooh, give me some of that box wine because my name is Dan and I freaking, you know, that's like a pre-sun for freaking trailer park trash. Hey, you know. Um. No, so I, I understand, man. You yeah. have a specific taste, and he's being hunter-gatherer. Dude, oh, I, yeah. I'm not going to fault the man for it. Like, seriously, no, no. nothing he's doing to me or do, doing out there is wrong. I mean, yeah, killing people is wrong, but right. I understand his theories behind I it. Mean, and he's hungry, guys. He's fucking really hungry. Did we really condemn the uh, flight of soccer players who, like, plane crash in the Andes and ate each other? Yeah, no, no, nobody. Or the Donner that. Party back in the day, right? You know, and I'll tell you, I, I think that if, if there was better resources to food, maybe he wouldn't be hunting down thirty to forty year old fit guys and going, "Yes, what, buddy? Your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. You are my dinner tonight. You are my dinner, my only dinner. <laughs> I will club you over the head. I will drag you back to my shelter and chop you up for soup and bread." <laughs> You like that one? Uh, that one was good. That one was good. Especially when you hear the next part. Um, uh, depending on what kind of meat he was eating, Hell would cook the meat in a broth, roast it in an oven, or even prepare it like one would a nice juicy steak. He had various dishes that he would prepare. On a couple of occasions... <laughs> He barbecued the meat and invited other homeless individuals from the camp to join him for dinner. Dude, he's sharing. Every People are hungry. Once in a while, he would make up a bunch of empanadas and pass them around to his neighbors. He never hesitated to share his spoils with others, yet none of them had any idea they were consuming the flesh of another human being. But I bet you it was good food, man. I bet you nobody was bitching about that food. Why? Because everybody's fucking hungry. I was going to say, yeah, because who's going to bitch about free food, right? Exactly. Yeah. At some point, local residents did begin to notice that people in the area were disappearing. Have you seen one? No, I haven't. (laughs) Oh, Julio. That's weird. I haven't seen him either. It's kind of odd. Yeah. All the women are here but and the children, but no men. Plenty of women. Not enough guys. Maybe I need to go make a visit. Oh, my God. Excuse me. I'm having some heartburn for some reason. So, at some time, local residents began to notice. Oh, I already said that. Um... It got to a point where they started asking others where everyone had gone. Soon the authorities became involved and they launched an intense investigation. Law enforcement officials received several credible leads. A couple of those leads panned out and that led them to a park 
where they found the dismembered remains of approximately six people scattered about. When they made the gruesome find, their first assumption was that the deaths were carried out by one of the local cartels. After all, they were known to dominate the area and often got into turf wars with other factions. That was until they found the cilantro and uh, <laughs> a little bit of cumin. They were hmm. Right? I think, Senor Detective, I think that there has been a barbecue. Like, yeah, I think there has been too, yeah. motherfucker. Well, you'll find out here in a minute. The authorities almost let the case end on that assumption. However, one of the officers on the force remembered that sometime in the past, he heard about a different bizarre case. There were some older officers on the force that had talked about the case of one of the local homeless men eating an associate of his. Similar to the dismembered sections found in the park, the man would also throw out the feet and hands of the people he ate. That officer decided to follow his hunch and they began searching the area for Doranhel. It didn't take them long to find his little shanty that he had constructed on the abandoned in the abandoned area. And according to the reports of the law enforcement officials that went to his house would never have those images burned into would forever have those images burned into their memories. According to the police reports, when the investigators arrived at his at his place, they noticed that he had things arranged with orderly precision, which is common with schizophrenics. Very common. Well, plus, you know, you've been in my kitchen. Don't you hate looking for spices? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Again, because nobody puts shit back where it belongs. So fucking, I, I, I totally understand. Yeah. Dude, Jose, I totally understand your deal. Everything's organized that way there when you want a little cumin. You want maybe a little bit of, I don't know, freaking like some seasoned salt or something like that. It's there. You don't have to pay yeah. for it. I totally, I, I'm picking up what you're throwing down there, big uh, El Guapo. El Guapo. <laughs> Como gente. <laughs> ah, he's a jefe. He's a total boss. <laughs> he's man. a total boss. That's so, right. He is jefe grande. Yeah. So there were various pots and pans on the stove, each containing fine cuts of meat. If they hadn't seen the garbage in the corner, they would have thought he had gone to a nice butcher shop. However, in the trash cans, they found the entrails, hands, feet, and heads of his victims. He later stated that the only parts of his victims he would consume were the areas with the most muscle, which makes sense. His preference lead toward the muscular calves and thighs, and he also claimed that since he didn't have a way to store the meat in a refrigerator, he wound up killing more people than originally he had intended. After all, the fresher the meat, the better it tasted. That makes sense, but you, it know, does. you know what they're neglecting to say? This man was a great butcher. He has a skill. Oh, very much so. So why not maybe, okay, check this out. Train him? Stop me if I'm wrong, folks. And if you if you think I'm wrong about this and you think it's sick, number one, think before you send me an email. But here's my thing. Yeah, the pretend man, like you're hungry. The man is starving. Yeah. He's developed a taste, okay? But he has a specific skill. Butcher. Yep. Okay, so why not get him involved in maybe a butcher shop or a place that kills cattle, that type thing, and you feed him, mm-hmm. and you feed him well, and you house him well, now, yeah. you have a productive member of society. Yeah, and guess what's not happening? He's not going to kill Carlos. Yep, and fucking and and consume him. Just my thought. You know, no, I I kind of agree with you. I mean, like I said, this guy. I did tell you though. Remember, I said you will like this guy. I do, man. Yeah, I mean, 
Because, yes, he killed people. Yes, you know, and a lot, it's a taboo for us, you know, to think about eating another human being. But. Is it? Okay, Scott. I really? mean. Is it really? When you cook them up on a stove, yes. Oh, no, yeah, that. No, I've. I... Yeah, because don't get me wrong. We talked about it this weekend about the flutes. <laughs> oh, my God. That was hilarious. <laughs> and well, what was even funnier is how your other guitar player said, you mean the skin flute? Like, all of a sudden, it I, dawned on him. I got to share this, man. So, <laughs> Squatch was at band practice with me because uh, I needed some more candid pictures of me and the guys before the big event happens yeah. in, in August. And uh, and, I, and I wanted them to meet, you know, somebody who, because, you know, really, fucking, she works for she works for the whole company. You do. Yeah. Um, it's not just, you know, Twisted Blue LLC. It's the band. It's the podcast. It's blog. She, you know, does a lot. And uh, so we were talking about getting a saxophone player, just, just you know, joking around. And uh, she goes, uh, some, oh, no, I, I, I looked at it and said, ah, can you probably play the flute? Yeah. But then John, my other guitar player, goes, no, because I said, yeah, and I'm damn good at it, That's what too. it was. And John goes, you mean the skin flute? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there, All of a sudden, he like, looks at you and goes, you mean the skin flute? <laughs> the best was when Matt looked at you and said, hey, tell your mom I need my, 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 my underwear no, back. He, he looked at Max, the drummer, and said that. Oh, it was Max? I thought yeah. It was <laughs> yeah, because when he said, I said, oh, my God, you sound like Scott talking to me. <laughs> yeah, it was hilarious. Uh, that was They were times, a bunch man. of great guys, I will admit. I mean, because I was around with the first group of guys. You know, right, right, right. Um, and I didn't feel that camaraderie with them. You know what I mean? Well, it, it was like really weird. I got to give Johnny uh, credit for one thing because with with all the iterations of not just this band but previous bands that I've been with, I, I've been sick the last couple of days. And on Sunday, towards the end of uh, us practicing, I just wasn't myself. I was sick as shit and got home, and I've been home for two days. And John actually called. To yeah. check on me, and I've never had nobody in the band ever do that. Like he calls man, I was worried about you. You just weren't yourself, and and you yeah. know, I just want to make sure you're okay. And he's done that two days in a row, just calling to check on me. So it's it's super I mean, appreciated. Yeah, man. they're like they are some great guys. They, I'll admit. they are, man. And uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell our listeners just like I tell my guys, man. We all truly do love each other. We're like we're like a close band of brothers. Yeah, like we're really super tight. And you guys haven't even been playing together that long. No, and that's, that's what shocks. You know, we, we, we've all had this chemistry from, like, day one. Yeah. Like, from the first time that, uh, like, Max and I met John, we interviewed him at uh, Sherry's Restaurant. Oh, okay. And he came in, we, we all talked, and said, boom, no, this is the guy. Before I even hear him play, this is the guy. Oh, yeah. And then we heard him play, and said, no, this is freaking awesome. And then we got, uh, we got Matt, who came in and just straight out auditioned, and, yep, yeah, no, this is, this is the dude. Yeah. You know, because he's, you know, we, we all get along really well, it's... It's freaking fantastic. Right. And Max is the one that talked you into continuing when you had the fallout with the other band. Yeah. With the other group of guys. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> was, this is all because of Max, man. I was just going to say, screw it. I've got other things to do. Yeah. And Max was like, no, man. We got, let's build it again. You know? I was, love Maxie, man. He's freaking awesome. He, he is really cool. They're all really cool. Yeah. Best drummer on the planet, man. Yeah. Poor guy didn't mess up until the end, and y'all were just screwing up all over the place. <laughs> and he would just go with flow, smile on his face. It was so cool. That's what I love about Max, man. Like, you could do anything. And he's always got to smile. Yeah, and he just rolls with the flow, you know. Mm-hmm. It's freaking awesome. Okay, I'll let you continue. I just I was reminiscing oh, on no, my guys because I do. I freaking just love this my guys, man. not very long, so I'm not mad at you. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So the authorities were actually able to confirm that he had murdered and consumed at least 10 victims. Now, his own statements to investigators claimed that he had began a steady diet of human flesh back in 1997. 
He had been cannibalizing local residents for approximately two years before he went to court in 1999, before they arrested him this time. Considering he had been noshing on a steady diet of lean man for that long, the authorities have speculated that he had more than 10 victims. In fact, there were some on the force that figured the number was closer to 40 or 50. However, think about this. I think the number's way higher. The weather down in Venezuela doesn't really get that cold. So therefore, if he is killing two to three people a week to keep the meat fresh... Times two years, that's a lot. Okay, well, let's, let's, okay, two people a week, right? Yeah, 54 weeks a year. 52 weeks a year. So that's 104 victims times two is 208. Yeah, that's 208 victims at least. Yeah, that's low end. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true, because during like their summertime when it heats up, that yeah. meat's not going to stay fresh for very well, long. Well, I know in the Andy, in the mountainous regions, they kind of get a little cooler. But at the same time, this was like down in San Cristobal, you know. I think that, yeah, they, they should have trained him to be a butcher. Yeah, they should have, after his first time, put him to good use. Yeah, but that, I, I, that's the problem that I find worldwide, by and large, is that we tend to throw people like Jose here right into a mental facility or we throw him right into a prison and nothing ever gets resolved. Yeah, usually it's a prison, but yeah. Why not, you know, and I could be wrong. There's probably reasons why this doesn't happen because I don't know everything. Um, why not figure out what they're good at right? and see if you can integrate them into everything in this world is give and take. Okay. Yeah. So you have to ask yourself in the beginning, why did he steal chickens and cows? Right. He was hungry. Right. And he does talk about this, you know, a little later on in this presentation. But yeah. No, I agree with you. I mean, like I said, I've never been to the point because, like I, I worked, I lived on an active dairy farm my all of my childhood. So, and my grandpa had a huge garden that was like at least one and a half football fields. Holy shit! Yeah. Plus, we always had fresh corn. We had, I mean, we butchered a calf every year. We had at least one or two pigs we butchered every year. My grandpa had chickens and rabbits. You know, so we never had a shortage of food. We just had to go to the store for staples. And so I don't know what it was like to go hungry like that. But I do see it. You know what I mean? Right. Hunger goes a long way. It does. It you know, really does. I just, I, I find it, I, here's what I find amazing to me in, in today's society. And this is worldwide once again. It doesn't seem like a whole lot of places break down the problem to its, to its core problem. Right. So in in Jose's problem uh, in Jose's deal right here, you have to ask yourself. Like I said, why did he, why did he still in the, in the past? Because he was hungry. Why is he eating people? Because he's hungry. Right. But he's got a skill. Yes. Exactly. You know? So it, I mean, it, yeah. It, it's of my opinion, just based on how he reacted around his neighbors and things like that. Maybe if he was medicated. Yeah. And you trained him. And gave him better, a little bit better housing. Right. Number one, the better housing and the food alone, yeah, I think, would keep him on the track. food alone. That would keep him on track. Yeah. Well, and he was even, I mean, because they're not saying that he was medicated that whole time. And he was always so nice and kind to everybody. You know what I mean? Nobody ever had a clue what he was doing. Because right. he didn't have that weird sense about him that something, you know what I mean? 
Right, right, right. You know, uh, now, now I'm not saying that my my theology, my, my my theory would work with everybody because no. there's there's some people that you can look at and go, hey man, they had a great family. There's no real root cause. They're just an I, asshole. Yeah, look at what was her name, Mary <laughs> Ka- or something in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we you know the one her. who was a butcher in you know yeah, the boning room. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite. Yeah, because I mean I researched that one for you and I knew. I knew you were going to say something. But I I think that there are some people out there that, and it might be more than 50% of the people that really need the help, that if you give them the right psychiatric help, get them on the right medications, and ask yourself, why did this happen? Yeah. You know, not what what mental problem they so much have. Exactly. But why did this happen? And if it comes down to something like, hey... They're schizophrenic. They need this medication, and and, totally. and they really want to help themselves. Okay, that's fine. Um, but figure out the root cause. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's not always you can't always point your finger at the person and go, no. "This is all you." Well, yeah, he or she did what they did, but, but usually there's there's a root cause. Yeah. Usually there's a root cause. I mean, granted, don't get me wrong. Some of our serial killers. I mean, even Ted Bundy, who we won't do, and the BTK. Right. You know, there was, like, really no helping them. Um, but at the same time, I mean, because I've told you this story about how when I was in county jail back in the early 90s, um, there was this girl there who had disassociative, dis, uh, disassociative identity disorder. And at one point, and it was really weird for me because I had always associated that with people who have trauma in their lives, they associate, you know, adapt another personality that protects them from that trauma. Right. It's a, it's a full-on coping mechanism. Right. And I had a weird hairstyle back then where I had it, like, because my hair's always been really thick. And so I had it, like, kind of long, and but shaved underneath in the back, you know, to keep it, like, light and cooler. And um, at one point, she had left the facility because, you know... She was getting her medication in jail. She would get out. She wouldn't have her medication, you know. So she had come back, and next thing I know, I mean, when she came back the second time, she had a haircut like mine, and she was calling herself Tammy. I was like, what the fuck? And somebody explained to me that because when she was there, I was always nice to her. Mm -hmm. I didn't make fun of her. I didn't do anything like that. And so they said that she adopted my persona as a personality because I cared for her. You know, but yeah, there is a true need out there. There really is. you know. And I've said it from, I mean, especially with all these mass shootings and stuff. Yes, maybe certain firearms shouldn't be as readily available. However, I think it comes down to mental health. When we don't have the resources or when we do have them and it's not readily available to people then there that's a fundamental problem in our society and i've been saying that all along you yeah. know just like and I've, I've said a million times if a drunk driver kills somebody in a car we yeah. we blame the driver we don't blame the car we don't, we don't blame the, the alcohol car. you know i don't think the guns are the problem because i own guns and yes i do get upset and i get right out pissed but yeah but I'm you know what i have never seen out. your gun you never have no I know where I kind of know where it's at. Oh. I mean, I've never been under there. I kind of know where it's at, but at the same time, I've never seen it. No, I, I don't pull my gun unless I. It, yeah. It, if somebody's looking down the barrel of my gun, there's yeah. There's a big, big problem. That means that you've invaded my home. Yeah. And my life and the life of my family is on the line. And I tell you what, man, my life and my family is way more than 
somebody who wants to break into the my houses. Yeah, uh, totally. Thing. I believe in protecting myself. Yeah. You know, and this is coming from somebody who does have anger issues, by the way. Mm -hmm. You know, I've got a long history of of violence and anger issues. Yeah. But I'm not, I I, I won't pull a gun on anybody unless it is absolutely necessary. Necessary. Right. Yeah. To protect myself and my family. It's not. A gun problem that we have. It is a people problem. See, and you consider your family your extended family. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, I yes. mean, it's like you know. Well, you know, yeah. Oh, totally, man. Because like, if, if somebody if, if somebody was to threaten you or or Dawn or John or Laura or anybody in oh, my yeah. band, totally. Oh, you better believe. Well, Scotty's going to be there, and it might not warrant yeah. me pulling my gun out. Totally. But I'm definitely going to be there, taking care of some problems, man, because. You know, my family is my family. My family is the people that I work with every day. Yes. Um, that, that I consider the closest to me, the people that I would literally give my life for. Yes, totally. I mean, exactly. And so he has actually, Doringa has actually gone down in Venezuelan criminal history as one of the most horrendous murderers of all time. Mainly because he chose to consume his victims, which has always been viewed as a major taboo in most societies. Now, the odd part about the, his whole case is that he has never once displayed any signs that he was a violent man. When the authorities came to arrest him, he never put up any sort of resistance. He calmly cooperated and told them what they wanted to know. He's not a violent man. Right. He's a hungry man. Exactly. Almost as if he had completely accepted what his fate would be. Now, he wasn't only cooperative with law enforcement officials. He also cooperated with members of the media. On a few occasions, he granted interviews with the press and was always very forthcoming with his answers to their questions. When he was asked whether or not, and this is, I mean, this goes along with what you were saying. He was asked whether or not he felt bad about his actions. And he calmly stated, I have nothing to feel bad about. I murdered people and consumed their flesh out of necessity. Nothing more. Exactly. In his mind, it was the only way he would be able to present, prevent himself from starving. So, I mean, it goes along exactly with what you were saying. Yeah, exactly, man. The dude is freaking hungry. Yeah, I, and I don't believe from what I've read on him that he would have committed murder if he wasn't starving. Well, and here's my thing. I know that we got a lot of listeners out there going, well, I would never do that. Have you been that hungry? Exactly. I mean, I mean, I we like also to... say we would never dig through a trash can. But if you're that hungry, you will. You know, I can sit here and think to myself, well, I would never do that. I would never kill somebody and, and, and eat their body. But, you know, in my adult life, I have not been that hungry. Right. But what happens if I lose everything? What happens if my greatest fear, and we know why I work as much as I do, is because I have that fear of starving to death. What if that comes to fruition and I lose everything? Right. Would I kill somebody in order to eat? Right. I mean, and your son and I actually talked about it this weekend because we were doing the grocery shopping. And, um, you know, because unfortunately I'm in a situation where I'm between houses because I'm waiting for my apartment. But um, you would text me and said you wanted pasta sauce. And your son goes, we have pasta sauce. I said, but you know your dad, he always wants a backup. Mm-hmm. You always have to have a backup, and I understand that. You know, 
Yeah, it's that fear of freaking starving to death. And I yeah. can't I can't honestly sit here and say that I would not eat a human being. Oh, nobody can. If I was hungry enough. Yeah, nobody can. Honestly, I do not. If they are honest with themselves, I don't think anybody can say that. Right. You know, starvation's a big mm-hmm. freaking thing, man. I've gone hungry a whole hell of a lot for me not to at least consider if right. I lost everything that maybe, just maybe... I might take uh, Jose here's example. No shit, yo. <laughs> and go, hmm. So, the, and this is a sad, another sad part, is the courts actually did find him to be mentally unstable. Too unstable to go to trial. So he was never put on trial. However, since Venezuela does not have appropriate accommodations for his specific mental health needs, they have kept him in prison. In fact, he's currently housed at the Directorate of Security and Public Order of the State of Takira, and most days he just passes his time quietly. For approximately 17 years while he was being held in prison, he never consumed human flesh again. However, he often stated that if given the opportunity, he would enjoy it because it's a flavor like it's unmatched. And like you said, he acquired a taste for it. Mm -hmm. Now, in 2016, there was a riot at the prison where he was being held. He, along with 40 other inmates, viciously murdered three men. One of them was 25-year-old Juan Carlos Herrera Jr., who was arrested on a robbery charge in 2015. Well, remember, once you see Juan, you've seen seen them them all. all. (laughs) After the three prisoners were dead... Doran Hell and the others hung them to bleed before they carefully dismembered each one. Then Doran Hell used various body parts to prepare meals for the other starving inmates. Now, there was a reason for this revolt. According to reports, Doran Hell and the other inmates were forthcoming about their reasons for revolting. They declared mutiny on prison officials over the, quote, brutal conditions including the extreme overcrowding problem, which has been going on at the Tequila Detention Center. It all started when the prisoners took two guards and eight visitors hostage and demanded to be transferred to a different prison. Apparently, there was some validity to their claims of the prison being overcrowded. The facility was built to hold only 120 inmates. And at the time of the riot, there were 350 prisoners housed there. So, several reports I found indicated that the the economic crisis in South American countries, including Venezuela, had gotten so bad that the prisons were greatly affected. Um, Prior to the riot, quite a few inmates had already filed major complaints. Um, Their complaints were based on the shortage of medicine and food in the institutions, and inmates were dying of starvation. Now, I will have pictures on the blog because there are pictures of these inmates, and they look like the pictures you see out of Ethiopia, where they are just skin and fucking bones. It goes right back into what I said. Yeah, or the pictures that we saw of fucking Linda Hazard's patients. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, they were, I mean, literally just skin and bones. And I'm venturing to say that since that guy had just been arrested the previous year, that he was probably one of the healthiest. I'm just saying. You would think, right? Yeah. 
So I found a couple of news articles that indicated Herrera's father made pleas to Dora and Hell and the other men who killed his son to return his bones so he can have a proper burial. Apparently, he didn't even know that his son had been killed until he arrived at the prison three days after the riot ended for a routine visit. During the interview with Fox News Latino, Herrera's father told the reporter one of those men who were with him, his son, when he was murdered, saw everything that happened. My son and two others were taken by 40 people, stabbed and hanged to bleed. And then Dora and Hell, obviously because he knows how, butchered them to feed all the detainees. The man with whom I spoke told me that he was beaten with a hammer and forced to eat the remains of the two boys. Now... I don't know how true that part is. I think it's bullshit. But okay. Yeah, but I can see Doran Hell butchering everybody. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Since Herrera's father went on to say, what hurts me the most is that I cannot bury my son. I can't give him a Christian burial. I beg you to give me at least one bone so we can bury him and relieve some of this pain. So I kind of get that, too, as a parent. Yeah, I can you see know? that, yeah. Officials from the Venezuelan federal authorities have confirmed that approximately three individuals disappeared during the riots. However, they have denied every claim that they were murdered and consumed in an act of cannibalism. Um, then I say, um, then where, pray tell, are the bodies? You know what I mean? Uh, did the other inmates look pretty not hungry and their, yeah. their hunger And sated? if they escaped, wouldn't their families know where they are? You, you would think, you know, yeah. I, I think they escaped through someone's bowels. That's just yeah, me. Pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. So, you know, so that is him. Like I said, I knew that you would like him. Not so much because of the disgust factor, because it is taboo, but because he wasn't one of those ones that killed because he wanted to kill. Well, it's because I can relate to him. I know what yeah. it's like to be hungry. Yeah. You know, and well, and just I, like we related totally to Joshua Phillips, remember, because of the abuse he went through. Right, right, right. You know, there are certain people that we actually relate to on that fundamental level. Yeah, I don't condone what he did, but I totally understand why he did it. Exactly. But yeah, so that's him. That's Ho- Jose Dorangel Vargas Gomez. And oh, I'm pretty right. sure Maritza will like my at least halfway attempt to make it sound <laughs> official. Should, I hope. I can't roll my R's, so. I can. That's why we stayed married for so long. Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Maritza, I am so sorry. (laughs) Because she knows I love her. (laughs) She puts up with my shit every day. We talk to each other constantly. I know. She does. Kind of like I do. Remember that you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check out the website at www.TwistedBlueLLC.com. Also on that page right there is the Meet the Man page. You can see all the band members and everything like that for the upcoming events. We're working on a calendar and all that shit that goes on there so you guys know when to come out and check us out and all that stuff. Yeah. And there's a show coming up on the 6th. Right. August 6th. And we'll have swag there. uh, All that good stuff. Yep. Let's see. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium. And wherever you get your blogs, just type in at Brutal Nation. We'll pop right up. Make sure to share the podcast with your friends because we need some help. Help me. I'm drowning. <laughs> help uh, me. Help me. Oh, shit. <laughs> this show's copyrighted 2022 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved, and we will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs>